This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables, CS Toys Japan, and the webcomic Red Belt. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet. Everybody, welcome to a special 51st episode of the Tokunet podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I am joined by some lovely people to talk about the Tokusatsu community, plus a special guest. You may know him on Twitter as Ega Devil. We're here with Paul. Say hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a great podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, and um, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. I'm also joined by Yaz, who is our normal podcast host. Normal. Normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the definition of Tokunet. Normal, right? Our team. Just 100% Anything normal. But. Yeah, right? <laughs> I wasn't I told about this? <laughs> oh, my God. And lastly, as you heard, Josh. Hello, everybody. Yay! The gang's all here. Yeah, welcome back. It's been quite a bit since you've actually been on the podcast. Yeah, I had to fix the microphone, but there shouldn't be any problems this time. Yeah, well, that's how podcasts are. There's always a microphone issue or cats sneezing into a box. That was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that does happen. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen... Was it the end of the Dino Sentai retrospective? Was that the podcast? I think so. I think so. So listen to the Dino Sentai retrospective. If you listen all the way to the end, you'll hear a lovely surprise from my cat. She's a regular member now. Anyways... <laughs> Like I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about the tokusatsu community, and since we have a special guest with us, we figured, why not bring up this conversation and have somebody outside of the Tokunet team join us in this? So, if we just want to jump right into things. Uh, Paul and Josh, since me and Yaz have talked about this in the last episode of the podcast, how did you guys get into tokusatsu in the first place? Um, well, for me, I think I've been into tokusatsu as far back as my memories go. Um, I can't remember a time when I wasn't into it, um, because it begins with Godzilla. Uh, I remember watching Godzilla movies on TV, um, dubbed into English, and also on VHS, if you remember what that is. <laughs> um, and also something called Laserdisc. which is kind of a a predecessor to DVD, except they were gigantic and you had to flip them over every half hour or so. Um, So one movie would be on maybe uh, two discs that you had to flip over, so four sides. Um, Wow. Yeah, it started with Godzilla for me and Gamera, and then around uh, 1990, Ultraman aired on TV in the U.S., um, as uh, Ultraman Towards the Future, which now I think most people know as Ultraman Great, the Australian-made series. 
And around the same time, there was a Super Nintendo game of Ultraman based on that series that came out. And I remember that um, very vividly. And it's uh, not, I don't think it's uh, regarded as a very great game. It's but ridiculously I played the hard. Heck out of it. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's very hard. I, I don't think I ever made it past like the third level. Same. Um, once I got to uh, Barangus in stage four, just that was it. But um, yeah, from there it just kind of exploded because once you find out about one thing, it just it leads to another. And uh, I got into Rider and Sentai pretty soon after, and right around that time, Power Rangers was starting. Um, so I actually was familiar with Sentai before Power Rangers, but that kind of it did help increase my appreciation of it because suddenly. You know, there were toys available and, and things like that, and, and more people started talking about it and talking about the Sentai. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of exploded from there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think this might be the first time that I've talked to somebody that knew of Sentai before Power Rangers came out. Because a lot of the times when you talk to people in the tokusatsu fandom, if they're closer to, like, the millennial age or something along those lines... Um, they're always like, I got into Sentai because I remembered Power Rangers. It's never, you know, the other way around with people in this age group. So it's, that's really cool. And I had no idea that there was an Ultraman game. That's That blows my mind. Holy crap. Yeah, there was this period in probably the early 90s where Ultraman did come back to the U.S. Because it had been uh, shown, the original series had been shown in the U.S. years ago, I think in, in maybe the 60s or the 70s. Um, and then around the 90s, they aired uh, Ultraman Towards the Future, and they had a comic series that was tied into it. They had the game. They had a few toys. Um, and then I remember seeing the first images of Ultraman Powered, uh, the American-made series, Mm -hmm. um, in actually in the comic book that they had out, they were saying like, this is the new ultra show. It's going to be made in the U S and all that. And I believe it never actually aired in the United States. It was, um, just pretty much came over to Japan. And around that time, um, we had a Japanese bookstore, uh, near our house, actually. Um, originally I'm from Boston and, um, so that area, there's there's quite a large number of uh, Japanese stores, uh, supermarkets, things like that. And that's where some of the first tapes uh, we watched were from, without subtitles or anything, just you know, in a video store, as is. Uh, but also, I remember from the bookstore, I would get uh, TV Magazine and TV Coon um, and uh, TV Land, which is now defunct, but those three kind of children's magazines, which are still running to this day, and are where you see a lot of the new pictures uh, every month. Um, that had information on Ultraman powered because I remember at the time, like I, I just I needed more. You know, I had to see more about this this new show coming up, and um, so in those magazines, um, I would also see stuff about the riders and about. Uh, Super Sentai. So I I have very vivid memories of uh, Die Ranger, um, oh. right before Power Rangers. I think because Power Rangers was pretty soon after. I believe this is like nineteen ninety three, right? Yeah, I think it it uh, it aired in August of ninety three. So I think yeah. Die Ranger would have been like what eight six to eight months in already. 
Yeah, okay. Because, uh, yeah, I remember when Kiba Ranger debuted, like he was on the cover. I think that was the first uh, TV magazine that I got. And um, so, yeah, I, I kind of I had some familiarity with Sentai already. And then as Power Rangers would air, it'd be kind of funny because I would know what the upcoming uh, season would be, basically, because I, I would have you know seen Kaku Ranger or seen O-Ranger and then they would do the Power Rangers version of it. Um, but I, I think if I remember correctly, uh, in Power Rangers, they keep using the Jew Rangers for like three or four seasons, right? And then they switched yeah. over. Yeah, yeah okay. it was the fourth season they went to O-Ranger. Okay. Uh, yeah, Zio stuff. So yeah. Yes, those first three seasons with the the G Ranger suits, and then when they ran out of footage, they had to switch over to the Kaku Ranger suits for the Alien Rangers. And then they oh went right, to, okay, okay. I forgot about Alien Rangers. A lot of okay. people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. So it it just was kind of interesting to approach. Uh, for me, anyway, approaching uh, Power Rangers as an outsider almost, um, because just uh, I think about a year or two ago, I started watching SPD, um, the Ooh. the dubbed into Japanese version, which I got to get around to finishing because I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, you know, free time is incredibly scarce these days. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but I would like to get back into it because it it was really fun watching a show, uh, you know, what was made in English. Um, based off of a Japanese show, and then watching it in Japanese for the first time, and having no idea about you know anything in it, or or really even Power Rangers, um, the current state of it, because the last show that I watched on TV, I think, was probably when it went to Zio. I I kind of remember that, um, but then for just years and years, I just I never you know kept up with it. But I did keep up with Sentai, oddly enough. So I, I like how that's the current state of. Power Rangers when that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> also, it must be trippy because like this, the dub of SPD is with the Deca Ranger voice act, of actors, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be trippy. Hearing Bond's voice yeah. coming out of uh, uh, what's his name? What's, it, what's, it, what's the Red Ranger's name? Uh, Jack. Jack, yeah. Yeah. That's got to be interesting. I got to check that out. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, I, I haven't seen any of it in English, so I have no idea what they actually sound like. Oh. I just associate them with those voices. <laughs> oh, that's, see, that's interesting. I feel like the people who would know SPD first and then try to watch the dubs would be like, what the heck is going on? But I always like the idea of it because it's a great way to get the Japanese audience to watch Power Rangers as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Is that the only series they've done that with? Um, I think they did Magi Ranger. Oh, okay. Um, and I know they, I believe they dubbed some of the early ones, but not with the original cast. Okay. That's cool. Wow. Well, Josh, why don't you tell us how you got into Tokusatsu? Uh, so I, I know I told this story before the first time I did one of these podcasts, but I don't mind telling it again because I love telling the story. Um, so when I was a kid growing up in South Texas, my grandmother was watching us back somewhere around 92-ish, uh, you know, before Power Rangers ever hit, and uh, 
one night she had to go into the kitchen to get something and left the TV on the public access channel. And during that time, just the minute or two she was gone, the public access channel was showing something I had never seen before. It was these three robots, you know, red, yellow, and kind of blue colored robots walking through a city. And I was like, what is this? I'm, I, I can't understand what I'm looking at. It looks like Star Wars, but not right, not really. I don't know what it is. And the image of the red one holding a baby burned itself into my consciousness, and I could never figure out what it was because at the time we didn't have the internet, we had no way to search it. And so, as time goes on, and then I eventually get into Tokusatsu in college, you know, I, of course, growing up in the 90s, I was into Power Rangers, I was glued to my TV there, uh, that first uh, Saturday morning in August when it aired, and I watched fairly consistently up until about Lost Galaxy, and then I I had stopped watching, and then once I got into college, I was like, yeah, you know what, I feel like looking stuff up again, let me go ahead and look on online, you know, YouTube's a thing now, let me go ahead and look up some old clips, and while I'm digging through clips, I find a compilation of Common Rider transformations from Ichigo up to, I think it was Blade, and the concept blew my mind of, oh my god, like, I'm used to Power Rangers, but you're saying just one guy can take on all of these monsters and he's good at it and he gets a bike? <laughs> like, this is amazing. And so I dive in there. My first series was Kabuto because that's, that's when I started back in 06. And then from there, I just devoured as much as I could going backwards, watching some of the older series, getting people to watch Black. And then eventually when I start watching other tokusatsu series i eventually find out that the footage that i saw when i was a kid was from Winspector, oh. and that's what it burned itself into my memory and so it was like i was chasing that for years like what the hell is that until somebody showed me a <laughs> compilation dvd they had like a bootleg and i described wow. the same story to them and they're like oh you're talking about Winspector. i'm like what and then they showed it to me i'm like oh my god that's it how did yeah. i not realize and so wow. yeah it Ever since then, you know, I, it went on to be one of my favorite series since they finally started subbing it. Somebody did. Oh. And, yeah, it's it's been my number one fandom love since 2006. Wow. You know, that's pretty crazy that a lot of this stuff was aired on public access. My mom has stories of... She actually remembers Ultraman, like, when I was telling her, like, oh, I really like this show called Ultraman, and, like, showing her pictures when I was first getting into Tokusatsu. She was like, wait All a minute, right. I know that. Like, she grew up in the 60s and the 70s, so she knew that it was airing back then, too. So it's really cool yeah. how back then and, you know, in the 90s that all that kind of stuff was airing or at least a little bit accessible, you know. Yeah, because somebody had to have gotten a hold of, like, a VHS copy, brought it over to San Antonio, of all places, and decided, you know what, nobody's paying attention right now, I'm going to put it on right now. <laughs> <laughs> With just yeah. no context. And it wasn't, like, in Japanese or anything, it was, like, it was, like, a really bad music video, like, they had some sort of weird... 80s music going on in the background it wasn't the opening it, like it's the opening footage but the music wasn't what the opening theme is huh so it was it was weird i think uh, i'm fairly certain that Winspector was aired in germany i believe and i think they had like a new theme song or something because that sounds really familiar like i've seen on youtube somewhere it's like 
Winspector opening, but it's not the Japanese one. It's this guy like singing, and they like superimpose him onto the footage and stuff. Oh uh-huh. my god! And but it's all you know clips. Um, but yeah, that sounds really familiar, and I, I know that it did air in some other countries. It's really funny what shows end up airing where. Like I think in in Brazil, they've had a lot of different uh, series from the eighties, uh, Sentai oh, yeah. and, and Metal Heroes. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's, I think Saudi Arabia, uh, they really love, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, it's one of the Subaraya dinosaur hero shows. Oh, it's that kaiju, um, what's it, what you want to call it? Um, I know which one you're talking about, but I can't think of the zone yeah. fighter. Yeah, oh, what is it? Come on. No, not zone fighter, yeah, not, not Kosaidon. Well, I'll look it up. But yeah, it's just, it's funny how many shows uh, just randomly sometimes sort of end up becoming popular or or be shown all around the world so in the u.s at least i know uh we had ultraman ultra seven um a number of shows were shown in just hawaii like kikaider right um v3 and then uh giant robo back in the day yeah v3 um uh, ambassador magma you know just lots of lots of shows especially from the 60s and 70s that that popped up, uh, and this is all before you know Power Rangers and the the sort of adaptation era of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Wow, I feel like for the younger Tokusatsu fans, this is like a little bit of a history lesson because it's true that we really did, maybe without too much thought into licensing, we really did get access to Tokusatsu in the West, in particular, without really knowing it at all. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it's it's kind of similar to like uh, martial arts movies from like Hong Kong and stuff, where it'll just one thing would like sort of spark a wave of just imports and adaptations and stuff for years and years, and people will watch it and not know what it is until like the internet, basically. Yeah, yeah. I I watched that documentary on Netflix, and that's a really good comparison. Thinking yeah. about it. And the, uh, the show I was trying to remember was Eisenborg. Oh, I don't mm. think I've ever seen anything about this before. Yeah, but apparently they showed like a, a, a documentary or something about it and they kind of recreated or they did some new stuff. Because I remember seeing that on Twitter and just thinking like, wow, this is interesting, like of all places. But I guess at some point it was shown there and, and people loved it, you know? Wow. Um, so... It's just, it's really interesting to me uh, sometimes how many shows made it outside of Japan. And so you talk to people from all different countries and they're like, oh yeah, I love, you know, Just Beyond or or, I love Mask Man or something like that. Um, And coming at it from the American perspective, I think for, for most fans, like you said, they got into it through Power Rangers. So that would be their starting point. Um, And then maybe they know the more recent common riders or, or super sentai or ultraman but um yeah in some other countries they started with something else and maybe they started with power rangers too because power rangers of course uh went worldwide i believe yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's it is so fascinating this is these are the conversations i like and i'm glad we're having like a little history lesson on this podcast i like it very much but uh, as absolutely a f- as a follow-up, I know, Josh, did you mean to say Winspector was your favorite tokusatsu? No, just tokusatsu in general. Mm. Like, ever since then, I started eating up everything uh, 
Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, uh, Garo, uh, watching more of the old Godzilla films and having a different appreciation for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just anything I could get my hands on. The, the, the Metal Heroes. I just, I, I love it so much. I really do. <laughs> That's a common theme. Uh, we talked about this in the last podcast, how it's just once you start learning about tokusatsu, you just gotta, like, watch everything, research everything, and that kind of high you get as a newbie of tokusatsu is kind of exhilarating, you know? But mm-hmm. what is your favorite tokusatsu show? Uh, Well, it, it depends on when you're asking me. Like, overall, I would say... Common Rider is my biggest one that I always come back to no matter what. With, uh, I guess by this point, Garo's in second, then Super Sentai and Ultraman are kind of tied, and then from there it kind of trails down. I like. It's not that I don't like them, of course I like them, it's just those are the ones that I I bump the most. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. My, my list is very similar too. Are we talking about franchise or like individual shows? It could be both. So if oh, if you okay. had to pick, uh, you know, a specific season from any of those franchises, what would be your ultimate favorite? Well, like like I mentioned, Kabuto was my first season, and so that one will always have a special place for me, uh, since that was my introduction. You know, like so many other people, uh, I had grown up on Power Rangers, and I was used to this whole concept of teamwork and you know everybody's stronger together and then you get to kabuto where the guy is so conceited and full of himself yet he's incredibly capable and that just blew my mind about what a hero could be because i had never seen that before because you know you watch that first episode and you're like oh obviously it's going to be kagami he's going to be the guy who gets the power eventually and then it ends up being tendo and it's like what that that doesn't make sense that's going against everything i know and then, you know, eventually when he does get his power, it makes it all the more sweeter because then you followed him on this journey and, you know, there's all of that together. But otherwise, um, besides that, I think the other one that means the most to me would probably be Drive just because that was the series that I was watching when I finally got to go to Japan for the first time and experience oh, the yeah. last episode there in the home country. Yeah, that's a that's a special way to enjoy Tokusatsu for sure. What about you, Paul? Is there a specific season or maybe just if you can't pick one season, a franchise that you really really like? Well, I can pick both. Oh, yes. Um <laughs> I think as most people know, my favorite franchise is Kamen Rider. And my favorite series is the original Kamen Rider mm-hmm. from 1971. Very nice. What a classic pick. And I do have to, before we go on, I do have to admit, in those early days when I was learning, if it wasn't for your blog, I never would have gotten into it as hard as I did. That's true. That's oh, true. yeah. So I have you to thank for a lot of my fandom being towards Common Rider. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about oh. your vlog. Blog, excuse me, I almost said vlog. Ugh. Blog more. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, if that's a great pick for the original Common Rider to be your favorite. That's a, it's such a good show. It is, it is. And uh, the reason it is, because I think, you know, for a lot of people, uh, especially older uh, generations, I I guess, of fans, uh, they tend to like what they grew up with or what their first one was. 
and sometimes can sort of have this attitude where it's like, yeah, that one's the best, and everything after that wasn't as good, or you know, something like that. Um, and for me, it's never been like that. I mean, I the first show, uh, the first Common Rider episode I watched was uh, episode five of the original, and pretty soon after that, I watched Ultraman versus Common Rider, which gives you a nice kind of sampling of of some of the later ones. And honestly, I think uh, I didn't finish watching the original until maybe around the time Agito was airing. Because mm, yeah. um, back in the day, you know, nowadays you can you can sit there and, and watch a whole show pretty much start to finish if you want. Um, you know, just get the whole thing and, and, and marathon it or, you know, two episodes a day or whatever. Uh, when I was watching it, it was four episodes on a VHS tape that it you know months would go by between when we could get some more because we uh we bought them from a place called video daikaiju which uh basically they just they would get the laser discs from japan or they would have somebody send them uh, a copy and they'd make a copy of that so sometimes the quality wasn't great um that's that's just kind of how it was back in the day <laughs> of, of tape trading and tape buying and all that you'd sometimes have to watch something with uh, like shockingly bad quality, mm. um, but Vito Daikaiju was actually one of the better ones because I think they were just copying right off of the laser discs. Um, so I watched the original Rider over a period of, oh, I don't know, not not quite a decade, but certainly like more than five years. Um, but you know, between when I watched the first episode for the first time and the last episode for the first time, so. Um, yeah, I don't know, just like over the years, you know, I would kind of, I would go in and out of like what was my, you know, favorite show or what was the one I was most crazy about at the time or something, but I'd always go back to that one. And, uh, you know, being able to go back now and watch it multiple times on every format available, you know, <laughs> DVD and, uh, you know, streaming and Blu-ray and all that, um, it just continues to be my favorite because it's such a bold kind of series because they really went into it having almost no money yeah and yeah. being like we're gonna make a show that can match ultraman mm-hmm. which you know it's it seems kind of it's it's almost hard to grasp just how big ultraman was at the time even though it had you know ended uh for a couple years and then came back as uh, return of ultraman mm. Um, it was like the Japanese equivalent of Superman, pretty mm-hmm. much. It was the biggest hero of all. So for someone else to kind of step up and try to try to do something that, you know, I mean, that was kind of, that was when Toei made it. Uh, they were like, we want the show to beat Ultraman. And it, it kind of did for, for a while, um, you know, in just in terms of overall popularity. I mean, there's just, there's a certain generation of people in Japan that might not know, you know, specifics or details or, or anything like that, but you do the henshin pose and they know what it is immediately. Right. It's just that, you know, culturally ingrained mm-hmm. in, in society. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just, there's so, and there's so much about the show that fascinates me, like the behind the scenes and, and what's in, in front of the camera and the background details and just so much. Uh, it's just, it's a show that I never get tired of watching. I can always go back to it, and it's it's very comforting to to go back and and watch it again for me. It's real comfort food. Yeah. 
I, I mean, there will be times when I'll just throw on a random episode, mm-hmm. just thinking about like, oh, what what happened in this one, and and I remember this, you know, things like that. So, um, it's just a just an infinitely fun show, and and also I, I kind of feel for me anyway. With that one being my favorite, it kind of allows me to appreciate all the other ones in their own way because I'm never, you know, thinking I'm never really comparing them. I I, mean, I am, but I'm not at the same mm-hmm. time. Uh, <laughs> if that makes any sense, like I'm always thinking back to, well, how does this kind of echo from the original? Mm-hmm. But also, you know, what are they doing different, and how is this one kind of doing its own spin? Because um, I remember when Build was airing, especially in kind of the early episodes when they have the whole thing with Faust and mm-hmm. and they're sneaking into bases and all that, it, it reminded me a lot of the original show. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool how they're doing the spin on it, where what if it turned out that Kamen Rider was, you know, secretly this guy and, and also the guy he thought his, was his friend wasn't and just that kind of, that whole um, aspect of it. So part of the reason I really enjoy all the later Rider series, I feel, is because... I enjoyed the first one so much and it just, it kind of, it just, uh, it keeps echoing in each subsequent series to me. Yeah. You know what? That's a great point. And I think a lot of people may not realize that at first. So it really, I think it would benefit a lot of common writer fans to watch the original if they can uh, take the time to do it. I know I want to, it's on my watch list for sure. But Does that help with common writer the yeah. next or... <laughs> Nothing will yeah, help. Yeah, I mean, that. even even <laughs> even you know, even to some the thing the thing the thing is, um, I kind of I'm a big believer that time does heal. <laughs> or, uh, or maybe that's not the best way to put it. No, that's actually kind of great. <laughs> Everything does kind of get better with age. Yeah. I feel because you can go back and examine it with kind of a, a new, a fresh set of eyes. And some of the the baggage of what you were feeling at the time, yeah, you know, you might not have it anymore. Because I I remember um, back in 2010, I was actually moving from Japan uh, back to the U.S. for a bit because I had just finished a job and everything, and I was going back home. And at the time, uh, Decade had just ended, and I really loved Decade. And then we went into Double. Now a lot of people love Double. And nowadays, I go back and I I love Double Two. At the time, I just remember feeling like, oh, we just went from this exciting show with you know all these old riders and and worlds being destroyed and all that, to kind of this real con- comparatively smaller scale kind of detective story mm-hmm. with a lot of you know, quirky characters and things like that. And I liked it, but I I remember feeling kind of. Um, I don't know, like sort of this loss of motivation. Like I wasn't watching it every week. I'd mm-hmm. like let a few episodes pile up and then watch them. Um, so I did sort of start to feel kind of a burnout. But I realize now it's really more because of what was going on in my life at the time right. and just kind of the, you know, this going through this experience of having to, I'd been in Japan for three years and now I was going back home for a bit. Um, and... So, you know, going back to it later, a couple of years later, when I think we were up to uh, maybe Forze, um, Forze, Wizard, that sort of period, and really enjoying it a lot more because I could kind of just take it on its own merits and separate it from what was going on for me at the time. And I feel like that happens for a lot of people where sometimes they, they really don't enjoy something, mm-hmm. but 
it's it's for reasons beyond what is going on in the show. It you know it could be anything from from their personal life to uh, just how they're feeling in general. You know anything like that. So um, or even you know even just experience that they've had. I mean, it's funny listening to people talk about some shows and how just how different uh, a view they can have on it can be. Like they think, oh, this. I didn't like it all, and somebody else is like, "That's the reason I love the show, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, or the yeah. movie, or whatever." Yeah, I don't know, but I, in general, I just find the longer things are around and the more time they kind of have to to sit, you can go back to them and maybe enjoy them a bit more, um, or or not feel quite as heated about them. Like when the next first came out. I remember, you know, I had to go, I lived out in the country at the time, so I had to go all the way down to Tokyo to find a theater that was showing it, and, uh, well, you know, the movie the movie went by, and I walked out of there, and it was raining, I thought, oh, man, that wasn't very good. <laughs> but, um, you know, then a couple of years later, after, you know, watching it again, and, and talking to people about it, and, you know, doing podcasts on it and everything, now I can go back and revisit it and be like, well, you know, I, I still don't really like the whole J horror part, but the action scenes are really good. The costumes are great, the um, the visuals and sort of the, the cinematography is beautiful. So there's always something to appreciate. I think about any Tokusatsu show or movie. I've I've yet to see one that's just completely devoid of any merit. I mean, even the even what to me is probably some of the weakest mm-hmm. ones. They've at least got something going for them. Yeah. Um, and the very best ones are just, you know, almost, it's impossible to describe how good yeah. they are mm-hmm. sometimes. So that's my feeling. I think I need to go back and watch the next. I haven't watched it in like, I don't know. I want to say like 10 years almost. It's been a long time. Yeah. I, I mean, there are certainly, you with that and with the first, um, you go back and watch mm-hmm. them. And it's funny to think how once upon a time they were the hot new updates of the original and all that but now they're both i think the first is from 2005 so it's yeah. like 15 years old almost yeah. and the next is about 13 um and you look at them now and you're like oh there's a lot of things they probably wouldn't do if we were making the original rider again you know <laughs> like oh, that yeah. sort of feeling but at the same time uh you can also appreciate some of what's in them and how it would come back in later movies. Like, just the. I remember at the time, a lot of people thought, you know, I don't like the story that much, but the action's great. Right. Like, the, just the, the way they do things, the use of wires and things like that. Um, so, you know, you can find things to appreciate them, uh, appreciate about them. It's kind of like uh, with Shin Kamen Rider. I remember when I was first getting started in in uh fandom that was it kind of had the reputation that the next eventually got where it was like the black sheep right. of uh the rider franchise and then over the years more people started to kind of say well you know what it actually wasn't that bad or, or i like this or like that i watched it a couple of years ago and i couldn't believe how much the opening scene felt like the prototype of akuga sequence oh. where the grongi attack mm-hmm. you know you can you can see Right in there, it's like, yeah, this is this is sort of this is what they would come back to years later. Um, so now, I mean, nowadays for me, Shin, it's it's not the most fast paced movie, mm. and it is kind of more of a, a monster movie than a superhero movie. But I think it's a, a pretty enjoyable 
uh, story on its own, and it's an interesting take on on Common Rider in general. Um, because I always like to see you know different takes and and how far we can sort of stretch this format right. while still keeping it feeling like part of this greater um, story of of Common Rider, or you know the same thing with Ultraman or, or Sentai or any of them. Right. That's this actually brings up a great question I have for everybody, which is when you guys were first getting into the fandom, or maybe even just like a little bit more into it, what kind of were like the hot topics, the hot debates, like the main oh. issues, or not necessarily issues, but what did you notice everybody was kind of talking about? I can speak from as being the newer person out of everybody here that. I came in at Gokaiger, so of course everybody was talking about Gokaiger, which is, that was non-stop. Like, what's Kamen Rider O's? What's Kamen Rider Forzay? Nobody knows. Everybody's talking about Gokaiger. So it really was, my first experience in the fandom was on Tumblr, talking about Gokaiger, being like, oh my god, did you guys see the latest episode? And for all the fangirls out there, we were like, oh my god, isn't Marvelous so cute? Or isn't Guy so cute? So that was my experience. But what kind of things back then and how did you really communicate with everybody? I think Josh and I probably have similar... We came around the same time. Came to the uh, fandom around the same time, I think. If he's at Kabuto. Well, I came in at Kabuto, which is when I started watching, but as far as actually interacting with the community at large, like, I can definitely say I was reading up whatever information was available, but as far as actually talking to people that I didn't mm -hmm. personally know, you know, to, like, basically convert them, uh, it wasn't for many, many years. I would think not until, I think, 2012, I think it was, around Forze, oh, okay. or so, O's Forze, when I started actually coming out to California to uh, do tokusatsu meetups, because up until that point, like, I would wear my writer costumes to cons around Texas, and you'd have the random older Japanese guy recognize, oh, you're you're Kamen Rider Ichigo! And it's like, yes, I am! And then yeah. you didn't hear anything else for the rest of the weekend. Everybody's like, are you a Power Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> but then, as you know, time went on, and I started doing videos and uh starting to interact more talking to people on twitter that's when i finally started talking to people so it's really only within the last couple of years that i've actually started interacting with people but i think a lot of it too had a lot to do with at the time up until really just recently over the last i'd say five years or so it had a lot to do with where you were watching because i think it kind of broke down a lot between who was watching natively who was watching from like tape trading and then who was watching from really the only subgroup major subgroup that we had at the time and that kind of charted how you interacted with other fans because with some people it was just yelling quotes at each other and then it's only within the last couple of years that it's gone down to oh no I can actually have discourse about suit design and stunts and all of the other things and how these actors charted their rise to fame from starting in this children's television show it's interesting because i think it was because I, I when i got into tokusatsu in like 06 i got in through message boards so uh -huh. there was actually like a lot of discussion about the shows themselves uh maybe not so much about like behind the scenes stuff that i could remember but there's a lot of discussion about the shows themselves and like stories and 
you know, recommendations and what's good, what's bad, uh, stuff like that. Uh, at that time, I remember a lot of people were very hyped about Kabuto, uh, but a lot of people were like shunning people away from like, oh, don't watch Hibiki because that show is just weird. It's, it starts off as a musical and it's all weird and I don't understand it. So a lot of people were shunning that away. Uh, there's a lot of hate for other shows. Like, I think Fize was being hated on for a while at that time, which oh, is weird yeah. because that became one of my my favorite shows. But at the time, I think it was like, you know, everybody started to see the plot holes and stuff that were going on. And it was also a time where you know more stuff was being subtitled at a faster pace, so people were kind of all getting into it at the same time and with the same shows, almost. So. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, discussion about that era of shows and which ones are the best. And everybody talked about Kuga as, like, you know, the top. And, like, oh, my God, he destroyed a city block with a rider kick. He's awesome. Um, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, but, I love that. We're talking about Agito punching God. Yeah, stuff like that. And uh, Sentai, with Sentai, it was a lot of talk about Ranger. Uh, a lot of talk about Deck Ranger, I think. And uh, I think people were kind of lukewarm on Magi Ranger at the time. See, I was I had the opposite. I had a lot of people when I was talking who loved Magi Ranger but didn't like Decker Ranger. Mm. Whoa. How the tides have turned on that one. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, at the time, Ultraman wasn't as ready available. Uh, so there's a lot of talk of like, you know, people who are hardcore fans of Ultraman were like, uh, were kind of upset that all the attention was going to Kamen Rider and Sentai because there was a lot more available. So every time there was a discussion, there would always be an Ultraman fan being like, yeah, but you guys really don't know, understand what's going on with Ultraman. It's awesome. And we couldn't understand it because literally we couldn't understand it because we couldn't find any subtitles for it, uh, which was a shame. Uh, which I, that's why I love that there's such a renaissance of Ultraman now, right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so much available that people are really getting into it now. Um, but at the time, Ultraman was kind of the third or fourth. The deal. underdog. It was, the, it was definitely the underdog. Like It was like that. And I guess at the time, I wasn't aware of the kaiju side of the fandom. So I didn't really hear too much about it. But at the time, I mean, when I was in the, the fandom... It was at the dead period. It was like, you know, years after Final Wars, years before, you know, 2014. So there was like no, there was a dead space of, you know, no Godzilla, no Kaiju, really. Uh, But there was still a lot of discussion from what my friends told me. Friendly reminder that on Tokunet, if you go to our resources page, we do have a semi-up-to-date list of, like, legal and free ways to, well, free-ish, sometimes they're subscription-based, but they are ways to watch these shows and actually support the creator. So, like you were saying, the resurgence of Ultraman, it's amazing how much more available Ultraman is compared to then. Even I remember when I think I got into Ultraman the same time Ginga was actually airing, and even then... There's such a difference between when Ginga was airing to what it is now and how much yeah. access we have. It's crazy how quickly it happened. But just a plug, you know, if you guys want to watch some Tokusatsu legally, you know, do that. 
<laughs> but Paul, if you want to tell us a little bit about like how early conversations of tokusatsu in the community were for you and how you got your blog started, I'm definitely curious to know about that. Okay. Um, so when I started getting involved in fandom uh, or, or fan circles, I think it was around the early 90s because it's, it's pretty far back now. Um, I remember distinctly there was a Godzilla uh, fanzine. Nowadays it's known as G-Fan. Oh, right. right. And uh, I think back then it, it had a different name. It was like the Godzilla newsletter or something i can't remember but this was about 1993 um and that was kind of the first time i really became aware of any organized uh fan sort of circle or group and uh from there i remember they eventually launched uh, a few conventions uh nowadays they're known as g fest um back in the day it was g con and they were much much smaller i think uh, and and we'd be lucky if there was one or two guests there. Now I think they they get quite a few every year, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't been to one in a while, but I, I've heard that it's you know it did take off, which is great. Because um, I we've been subscribing to that. I think my dad is still subscribed to it actually. Um, He's still but, busy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's it's quarterly now, I believe. Um, awesome. But they do still put out a magazine. Yeah. Um, because yeah, the era of fanzines and magazines, um, there were a couple others at the time. I think Matt, uh, Monster Attack Team, that was one. Right, right. Um, or Oriental Cinema, I think was another. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is going back a ways now. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, there, there were quite a few, uh, back in the day and there was a lot of tape trading and all that. But, um, yeah, so becoming aware of organized uh, fandom and and what people were talking about. It's funny to me, um, yeah, as that you mentioned. Uh, you know, when you got into it, Godzilla was kind of in this slump, and there wasn't as much Ultraman conversation. Um, because for me, it was almost the exact opposite. Mm. Where it, back in the day, like it, it felt like all you could talk to anybody about was Godzilla and maybe Gamera. Um, and some Ultraman, and even that was kind of third tier behind Godzilla and Gambar. Like they were the they were the big ones. You mean in the nineties? And or... yeah, in the early nineties, awesome. um, Ryder was was very very much kind of a lot more obscure almost. Mm. And Sentai got a bit of a boost with Power Rangers, but even before that, I do remember uh, distinctly. Um, people loved Jetman because that was such a, a groundbreaking and, and different kind of series at the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, Ryder was very much uh, not spoken of too much. And I think that just has to do with the fact that there wasn't a Ryder show at the time. The newest Ryder thing when I got into it was uh, Zedo had just mm -hmm, come out, yep. I believe. Um, or maybe kind of right before Zedo. Like that. I remember Shin being sort of the face of Ryder for a while, and then Zeto. So probably right around that time. Um, but uh, but yeah, in, in at least English-speaking fandom, it was all about the kaiju, and eventually Ultraman. And um, I remember, this just occurred to me um, when we were talking about Ultraman releases and all that, but um, years ago, uh, there was a company called Expressions and Animation, which put out the first four episodes of Ultraman on a VHS tape 
for the 30th anniversary. And uh, that was like people were as excited about that back then as they are now about the Blu-ray boxes. Like it was the biggest thing ever that we were getting an official release of Ultraman just four episodes of it, but that we were getting anything at all because in those days, if you wanted to watch Ultraman, it was through tape trading pretty much. Um, and the you know the first time I watched Ultraman was like fifth generation VHS versions of the English dub, where you know sometimes the the video would start to go out or it would be very fuzzy and hard to see and and the sound would be pretty bad. But that's just that's what we were used to. So I remember the first time I saw it on DVD, it was mind blowing. And you know even that is now kind of considered. Uh, outdated compared to the Blu-ray versions. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so it, it really was all about those. And um, online, uh, I first got involved in um, forums and things like that, I think around 1998, probably, 98, 99. Um, there were a handful of forums uh, that were just about Common Rider, maybe like two or three. And uh, this was all still pre-Kuga, of course. So people were talking about Black and RX and uh, V3. Um, and I think I find that back then, either the majority of fans were from outside the U.S. and maybe they had had uh, those shows air in, in their countries dubbed, or uh, a lot of people just really didn't care so much about watching something with no subtitles because uh, that's certainly how I approached it back in the day. Um, the you know the very first time I watched, uh, the, at least that I can remember, the first time I watched a Godzilla movie completely in Japanese was the laser disc of Godzilla vs. Uh, Biolante. Ooh, cool! And I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> um, but I knew that I liked it. It is it is pretty complicated, like the story and all that but that's just how it was for uh for a couple of years i'd watch something and have to sort of guess uh what was going on sometimes and then eventually i started taking japanese lessons and it became easier to understand um and also that's you know fan subbing started to pick up and so it was easier to watch things uh with subtitles or or you know dubbed or however so uh, online-wise, um, I, I remember when Kuga was new. I remember people talking about that. And I think at the time that would have been uh, Time Ranger. And uh, Ultraman Cosmos was pretty soon after that, I think. Um, and so I've just kind of watched as the fandom online has grown and grown and, and really had certain points where it just exploded. Uh, you know, it seems like tons of new people coming into it. Yeah, that's really true. I feel like there are specific time periods in the tokusatsu fandom. Like, Gokaiger, I think, was a good example of people coming into it, a large amount of people, just because it had a lot of nostalgic overtones for the Power Rangers fans of my generation, and maybe older Sentai fans maybe got back into it to see their favorites back on screen Mm. again, but... um, yeah, that's just, I, I've always been fascinated by the tokusatsu fandom with the tape trading and 
you know, there's something different about the fandom now with the rise of social media back then, com- or back now, compared to back then, where you really had to find the forms and the message boards that were thriving and where the community was. I was in other fandoms when I was younger, like, uh, I was really into the game Dot Hack when I was younger, and I would go on, like, go specifically searching for these really obscure message boards to, like, yeah. talk about it. So I assume it's, it was the same for everybody then, and then social media comes about, and it's, it's, whew, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, back then you'd have, like, forms that were as small as like maybe 50 to 100 people and you have other ones that had like thousands but at the same time there would still only be like maybe a couple of hundred that were like active normally Mm -hmm. so it's easier to kind of when you had conversations to recognize who you were talking to and you know pick up on you know mindsets and stuff like that i feel like Mm -hmm. now it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult to I mean, you have conversations and stuff. And I, I mean, if you stick to certain, like, smaller, like, Facebook groups or discords or whatever, you can kind of recreate that. But I know nowadays it's, like, it's really difficult to find that kind of connection and conversation, I guess. That's part of the reason that for a long time I was just lurking on a lot of message boards and didn't really join in because I would read what people were saying. And as much as I wanted to talk to people... Uh, like I was saying before, it was really hard to actually get into discourse about what the show was about because it was very, for me, it was very simplistic what everybody was talking about. Like, yes, the toys are cool. Yes, it's really cool how he kicked that guy, but I want to talk about something more than that. And there wasn't really a lot of that for a really long time. Like, yeah. I remember I was, uh, for the, long, the longest time, I was lurking around on a a Thailand toku board just because they were pumping out images faster than 4chan was at the time. Cause at that time, the best you could do was sometimes you would get a thread in on slash M in the Mecca section. Right. And then eventually they started bringing in more and more. And then it wasn't until around, I think double when we finally had uh, the group that would become double time, basically speed subbing and you didn't have to wait like the five or six days that like, uh, TV Nihon was taking to subtitle it, you could get it within a day or two. And that was really what I think turned it around for a lot of people and grew the fandom because the quicker you could get a hold of it, the quicker you could talk about it and share it. And then yeah. from there, you'd take it to wherever you're talking to, to your message board, to your, uh, all the way back then, your MySpace page. And then from there, it just continued. <laughs> Oh man, I almost wish I got into Toku earlier just to talk about it on my MySpace page. It would have been like next to all my emo song lyrics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Man, it's weird. <laughs> I never had a MySpace page. What? Yeah, I mean, I knew who. I mean, a lot of my friends did, but I don't know. I I got into all that very late, and by the time I got into social media, which was probably around college, MySpace was pretty much gone, and everybody was on Facebook. So. I was like, I don't need to have a MySpace page. So I missed all that. I missed that whole era of social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. I guess, like, I was the the young teen adult, not adult, excuse me, teen age for social media. So that was, like, the target for MySpace and all of that at the time. But 
I, I don't know. I just, I still remember when I was younger, like, message boards being the, really the only way. Like, sometimes a person would put together, like, an IRC chat if it was just a, mm-hmm. you know, a couple good online or good group yeah. of, like, real in-person friends. But other than that, it, I, I felt like I really would have to dig to find a group to connect with. Where now, with social media, it's... It's everywhere where, yes, sometimes it's hard to connect with people on social media because there's just so much going on. But because it's more accessible now, it's kind of easier to talk about at the same time. But, oh, man. I guess depending on where you go, it kind of either either get deep conversations about stuff or it devolves into just writer memes and sentai memes and stuff like that going back and forth. And it's... It's hard to navigate sometimes, but you could. Yeah. You know, it was. I mean, it was difficult back then too. Because there, even though a lot of people talked on forums, there were quite a few forums. Like I jumped around from like you know Ranger Central, Power Rangers Empire, then HGU, and I tried to go to Japan here, and I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. That's too aggressive for me. <laughs> and I went back to HGU. <laughs> so there was a lot of you. You, you kind of. It took. It still took a while to find your group. Even back then, I guess. I guess social media just never changes. It's all. It's, it's same thing. Different platforms, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think this is the right time to talk about the rise of like blogs in the Toku fandom. So, Paul, do you want to talk about how your blog came about and kind of why you decided to make one? Yeah. Well, I I will. Um... I, but I want to just jump back a little mm-hmm. bit um, because you brought up something really interesting about how, you know, with the rise of social media um, and fandom has gotten bigger and sometimes it's kind of hard to find, uh, you know, find who to talk to in, in a strange way. Um, because I, I feel the same way where it, although it's gotten bigger, it's gotten a lot more segmented mm. and... Uh, it used to feel to me like I knew everybody who liked Common Rider, and now I think there's far more people who like Common Rider that I don't know. Right. Um, and you know, but at the same time, also back in the early days, there were a couple forums, but again, they were also you. You sort of were in your own community. Yeah. Yeah. And it was only if someone crossed over that you would say like, "Oh, hey, there's also a, a forum here or a forum there." And yeah, there was a period where I was on quite a number of forums, um, but they tended to be pretty small. And, mm-hmm. you know, once uh, kind of the well of interest dried up there, they'd become ghost towns pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the nice the nice part about the, the current era of, of social media is it's just, you know, kind of nonstop – uh, which is good and bad because, it, like you said, you can get sort of overwhelmed, um, but by just so much at once and so much, you know, repeated and retweeted and and all that. So, uh, you know, finding kind of real good what you want, I guess, uh, of of discourse about the show or or news about the toys or, or whatever, it's there. But sometimes you do have to sift through quite a lot to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember, like, to me, the whole idea that there are entire, like, a, a, a Twitter accounts that are just like, here's a whole bunch of funny common Rider pictures. Um, th- that blows my mind because <laughs> yeah. 
back in the day, it was like, all right, we have to make a forum thread about this. Maybe oh, yeah. if there's like enough people that want to do it. And and now, you know, some of it, it's just nonstop. And um, yeah, but I mean, at, at the same time, it is nice that you can kind of carve out your own uh, niche group. But it, it's at the same time, it's so weird to think about that because to me, Tokusatsu fans will always be kind of a niche group in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's gotten so much bigger, and yet it's still kind of an underground thing in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, to move on to the blogs and all that, so I actually started a website in 2000 uh, on GeoCities. Oh yeah, GeoCities. And yeah, yeah. At the time, I was just sort of, I was going to post a few pictures and I was uh, putting, I had a, a very antiquated scanner. So I was scanning some pages from a TV magazine about Kuga. And at the time, I remember there was a great website all about Kamen Rider V3. And there was a great website all about Kamen Rider 1. So I thought, well, I'm going to make the shrine to Rider 2 because nobody's talking about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but eventually, you know, I think someone was like, hey, I really like the way you, you know, kind of wrote about this character and all that. And and what do you think about the others? And uh, I started saying, all right, I'll, maybe I'll sort of do a profile about some of the others. And, and for a while, uh, I think I had everybody up till maybe Kuga on there. Um, and then around um, probably the mid-2000s, I think, is when uh, blogging started to really catch on and so at first i kind of created the blog separately and then eventually i just combined them because uh, i left GeoCities, and um just thought i like the whole kind of format of blogging mm -hmm. and how easy it is to update now i say that having not updated on my blog in about uh three or four years but that's going to change <laughs> this year <laughs> but um but yeah it's just it's really fun and especially in the social media age, it's nice to have a way to write long form again because we're so used to, you know, 140 characters or whatever. Yeah, I remember when you were doing reviews of, like, episode reviews and series reviews and stuff like that of various shows. Yeah, and uh, um, back then I think it was a lot more almost kind of necessary because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you didn't get the episode subbed almost the same day um where you know, now the the sub subtitling is really fast and you can watch streams and you know downloads and all that um but at least i i remember i was doing a lot of recaps of kiva because sometimes i think back then it still took like a week before the show would get subbed right exactly and like a lot of times when I'm talking to people who are actually interested in like the history or something like that, I always compare it to like the lull in like Doctor Who fandom where there was that dark period where there was just no Doctor Who coming out. Kind of the same thing with Common Rider. There was just nothing coming out for a while or even in the case of like lost episodes or there wasn't any other way to get it. You had to rely on people who remembered what the recording sounded like and then typing out, okay, this is what mm. happened in this episode because at the given time, there was just no other way of conveying the information that was contained in the show. And so, right, yeah, right. it was ab absolutely yeah. necessary because there were people out there, myself included, who were hungry for that information and there was no other way to get it because I remember at the time, you know, 
the late, technically late, early 2000, you know, like before 2010, uh, maybe there was like four episodes of original writer subbed at yeah. the time that I could get a hold of. And it got to the point where my brother and I, we were so interested, we imported in the Region 2 DVD of the last, I think it was like six episodes of Common Writer. We had no idea what was happening. We knew what was happening, but we had no idea what they were saying because we just had a rudimentary understanding of the language. But we were glued to our television, just watching this thing and being like, oh my god, they're taking out the shocker base. This is amazing. <laughs> I wish I understood what yeah. was going on. And so, yeah, that that kind of thing, you know, the ability to at least be able to read and get some sort of information into you of, okay, what happened? Tell me who these characters are. What's going on? What are their relationships? We needed that. Yeah, I think I've had a conversation about this before on our podcast. I don't remember who I was talking to, but really, blogs like yours, Ega Devil um were really important for fans to figure out what was going on in the time when subtitles really did take longer like we are really blessed that subtitling is so fast in the way it is where in the past it really you know you were gonna wait at the minimum a week if not months until mm -hmm. you actually got a subtitle of something so it's really cool i wish i could remember what conversation i had maybe it was on I think it was with Lynx. Yeah, I think I was having a conversation with her and how she really enjoyed reading blogs at that time because they would be the ones to recap, like, this is what happened in the episode. Like, yeah. we know that you can't get access to the subtitles, but here is the episode recap so you know what's going on. It's just fascinating. And I actually really miss that kind of experience. I feel like there isn't, enough long-form content on the internet anymore it's kind of got replaced with like wikipedia articles or just wiki articles where people just put in general summaries of episodes and stuff but a lot of those are badly written <laughs> so it's, yeah yeah um mm. yeah i remember because uh, I, I i wanted to make uh we wanted to make a set like that too before Tokenet. So me and George made Rising Sun Tokusatsu, and we modeled it after Ega Devil's site. But like, we want to do episode reviews and we want to do conch reviews and this and that. But that's I don't know how you did that many of it because man, it was tough. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. Yeah, I was I was saying um, I was actually was talking to Tom yesterday, and um, I was saying how I used to have a lot more free time because I was still a student back yeah. in kind of the mid 2000s. Yeah. And um, before I started working full time, I was just able to get so much more out, uh, you know, just writing and, and image graphics and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and and now, I mean, I, I do have the time, but I have to, you know, make use of it very effectively because I've got so many other things going on in life in addition to, to working full time. So, you know, for me, um, even if I kind of, I have slow periods all the time and I'll be the first to admit that, but I never want to just give up. You know, right. I, I always want to get back to it eventually, um, get back to writing on a website, get back to podcasting, but uh, get back to drawing and all that. And, um, just, I don't know, life is like that where sometimes you just, you have these periods where um, you have to kind of step away, but mm -hmm. you don't 
completely forget about it. And that's why I, you know, I try to still be active on Twitter and sometimes and, you know, just do a, do a thread about something, this or that, um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's fun to do. And it's, uh, it's a good way to, um, just kind of stay, uh, you know, keep, keep your reflexes of, of writing and, and speaking and all that fresh, I guess, um, to do things like this, you know, every so often I, I, I had a podcast for a while. It's, it's not completely dead, but it is kind of, uh, on life support at the moment, <laughs> but I've done a couple other podcasts with, uh, with people in the time since. And each time I'm like, you know what? I should get back to making ride or break again. Um, really cause it, it is fun to do, yeah. you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think in general, the, the nature of, of websites, uh, has changed a lot in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. And nowadays, you know, putting together a site that's got all the information and all that, um, it, it's fun, but we also live in this age of, of wikis and, you know, immediate, now, 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 that sort of thing. I mean, if you want to know anything about camaraderie, you just got to Google it pretty much and yeah. it'll pop up. Now, you might not get the best information. <laughs> it might have a lot of errors or mistakes or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's just kind of, that's the nature of the game at the moment. So it would be nice to have a really comprehensive, accurate, um, and I guess unbiased kind of uh, resource for... Uh, you know, tokusatsu information, because I, I think there is, uh, there is always going to be a degree of, you know, well, I want to concentrate on my favorite stuff, right? you know, um, and, and, and I understand that, like, you know, if I want to make a website, I want to make a website about Kamen Rider. I love Ultraman. I love Super Sentai, but the thing I want to write about most is Kamen Rider. Mm. So it's really, um, I guess, about sort of doing what you want to do but inspiring others to say, yeah, I want to, let's make our own website kind of like Eagle Devils and we're going to write about this or we're going to write about that. I mean, I was inspired by, there was a website um, called Absolute Ultraman, which was all about Ultraman. Um, All the, all the classic ones, all the way up to, I think it it ended around the time of Neos maybe, or or it was before, before Max and Mebius. I know that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, not Neos, um, Nexus. Um, so like mid two thousands, and that site was great. But the guy got really burnt out on it after a while because people were always asking him to do this or do that. Um, so, you know, you can only do it as long as you want to because that's another thing about uh, this fandom and and being in it so long is uh, so many people come and go over right. the years. Yeah, uh, you know, because it's just it's just the nature of of being a fan of things in general, I think you grow out of them or you, you move on to other things or whatever. Um, you know, you can spend years, of your, a couple of years of your life and it's the best thing ever. And then one day it's all over. You know, that's such a point that I think a lot of people don't talk about in our fandom in particular. And I've seen this happen with friends over the years. Like, even though I'm newer per se, I've watched people come and go for various reasons. I've heard mm-hmm. many of accounts of people, whether they just grew out of tokusatsu in general or something about the community kind of made them burn out and didn't want to continue. It's it's fascinating. You're right in that this most certainly happens in other fandoms for sure, but 
I think with the rise of social media, I feel like that kind of burnout aspect definitely can happen a lot faster and can have a very big impact on your personal life if you're not careful. Just because we're now of the age in the internet where it's better to be authentic. It's better to have your personal information out there in some weird way compared to, you know, Mm, when it was, you know, don't tell people online things because they're strangers. It's weird how things are completely the opposite now. Yeah, it used to take a lot longer to know someone's actual name. Like, I don't think I knew, I don't think I knew Paul's name for like many years. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy because it really is like you can't, I've heard people in the fandom talk down to others that go by the pseudonyms or... Really? You know, yeah, I've heard that before, which is really weird. I don't... It's whatever. Or, you know, you see the occasional joke that's like, if your avatar is an anime character, I'm not going to take you seriously, which, you know, has its merits in its own way. (laughs) Yeah. But... Depending on the situation. Yeah, depending on the situation. But it's still... This shift, because of social media, I think has really changed all fandoms, but definitely in particular the Toku fandom. Yeah. I think the turnover is a lot quicker, like you said, because of that. Yeah, yeah, which in some ways it's positive because, you know, maybe if somebody's causing trouble, they'll they'll turn over and shoo-shoo. But I would think younger fans are more likely to be super engaged than fans even around our age range are because we're we're so we're past that point you know we're past that initial point of like oh i want to talk about tokusatsu all the time you know so it really shows that Mm. in the age of social media i'm noticing the younger and younger fans of tokusatsu which is great i'm glad they're into it but it changes conversations sometimes it yeah it does because older fans sometimes can get very jaded yeah yeah Um, and you know they they like what they like and they don't like you know this new stuff it's not it's not my you know (laughs) writer or my ultraman or whatever and I mean, even I, I'll admit, I, I'm kind of guilty of that too, at times. Um, especially with Ultraman, I love the old Ultra series. The new ones, they're they're not bad uh, by any stretch. They're great shows, but sometimes I find it's a little harder to get into them for me. Mm. Um, you know, if if you're like, hey, what do you want to watch? Ultra Seven that you've seen ten million times, or this episode of uh, Ultraman Taiga, and I'm like. I think I'll watch Ultra Seven because I know I know I will enjoy that, and it is kind of I'm I'm retreating back to my you know bunker of safety with that. But again, the new one is is by no stretch bad, um, and you know, with Ryder, it's it's always been like I said because the original one is my favorite. It's a little easier to get into each itineration, um, and it's kind of the way with Sentai too. I mean, I don't know if I have a particular favorite Sentai. Die Ranger is maybe the closest to my heart because it's the first one. But I also really love Go Ranger because it's uh, Ishidomori. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of with Sentai, it's very similar to Rider, where like I can watch each uh, itineration afterwards and and enjoy them on their own. Uh, for me, Ultraman um, Seven is my favorite, and that's the, the second series, of course, or the third, I guess, if you count Ultra Q first. 
So I think I, I feel like sometimes I can be a little more dogmatic about like, this is the way I like Ultraman to be. And when it's not like that, I don't like it as much. But, uh, you know, that that I can admit to. And I think that's kind of a thing you have to do with uh, as for especially for an older fan where you have the show that, you know, made you fall in love the first time. And, and maybe that is your favorite. Maybe it's not. Uh, I know a lot of people that came in with Decade and they say their favorite show is Double or O's or Forze. Yeah, I've heard um, that one. Or they came in with X-Aid and, and they love Build, something like that. So, um, but it's just, I think it's important to, uh, at, you know, the, the longer you're around in the fandom to kind of sort of just accept the realities of, of things like that, that, you know, ultimately we're not the target audience. Um, the, the product is made so that we can enjoy it because I think Tokusatsu... Um, or at least, you know, when it comes to Ryder and Sentai and Ultra, they are made for children, but they're mm-hmm. made so adults can enjoy them as well. And mm-hmm. there's so much stuff that's marketed just to adults because they know that the adults enjoy it. Mm. Premium Bandai knows. Exa- I was about to say that yeah. exact thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but at the end of the day, it is still a, a, a kid's show. Um, and that's something, even, you know, watching Zero One today, there was a moment where I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. I, I can't believe they killed someone. And, you know, they're going to be back next week because it, it is a show for kids. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's it is that sort of feeling where sometimes the shows will do something and you're like, oh, I wish it had done this or, or why didn't they go darker with it or, or whatever. But you do kind of have to remember, well, it's it's made for, you know, so kids can enjoy it, too. Um, and I just feel that like the the longer you're around in in the fandom you have to kind of recognize that and and make allowances for that and and that's why it's really funny to me um a while ago i saw some people talking about i think it was about go or something and they they were saying you know oh it's all collectible gimmicks now it's not like the good old days of of kuga and agito or you know not like the good old days of kabuto and deno <laughs> or something and i remember it, it's like that exact same conversation happened you know, 15, 20 years ago. And it was just that you change the shows around. Yeah. Mm. But the sort of the mentality of, you know, this one now it's, it's all gimmicks and toys. It's not like how it used to be. Um, and, and that's just going to keep going. I think, I mean, there's going to be a day when the, you know, fans who are kind of considered the older fans or fans who've been around longer are like, yeah, I came in with X8 and build, and and those shows were hardcore compared to this, you know, kitty nonsense thing <laughs> right now. You know? <laughs> like oh, that. Oh wow. Um I think it's it it you're right, it happens every gen like sort of five, ten years it happens like that. I think it just depends on the older fans how they contextualize it and how they treat newer fans. Cause I, I remember when I got into it, it was it was a bit toxic. I don't know how it is now, but it was a bit toxic whereas like older fans would just crap on newer fans and their 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 passion for newer shows um, to the point where it'll turn mm. people away. Um, I mean, you can have your shows that you or your shows or your era that you love, but you should be more welcoming and you know sort of talk about it in a light where it's like, oh, if you like this, you would you should try this older show from the '80s or something or from the '70s, and you'll you should see where it came from or whatever. This would probably jam with you. Right, that kind of thing. Like the discourse of how older fans talk to newer fans should should be more welcoming. I think. I agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. 
And I think um, it is sort of – I understand that it is kind of a thing that works both ways sometimes yeah. because when – especially around the time of Ryuki – there were a bunch of people who were coming and saying, oh, the, you know, Kamen Rider is cool now. It's got mecha and, and guys killing each other <laughs> and all that. And that kind of turned off some of the older fans. They're like, well, wait a minute. Kamen Rider is not about this. It's about this. Um, so I think it, it just is – it is kind of a mutual thing. I mean, the the uh, the weight is certainly on the, the established older fans to, to be welcoming of, of new people and say, you know, introduce the shows they like in a way that's not – uh, not aggressive. I mean, nobody ever likes having, you know, being told that the thing they like is bad and right. that this thing is better, mm-hmm. which I think is part of the reason why at times um, there was especially a period where it was really hard for Ryder and Sentai fans to get into Ultraman because it felt like a lot of Ultraman fans were saying, well, our shows are better than your guys. I mean, we've been around longer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not the way to introduce it. You have to say, well, if you like Kamen Rider, why don't you check out this show? Because look at what this has. Look at, you know, hey, this actor from this show appears in this show. You just, you have to kind of um, just be more uh, more welcoming of people having different views and, and mm-hmm. what they like about what shows and, and why they like some shows. I mean, there's people that got into Kamen Rider because they think the actors and actresses are are pretty, which is that's fine, you know. I mean, if that's what that's how you got into enjoying it, that's what made you want to watch it. Um, or maybe you just think the suits are cool, or the music, you know, whatever it is. Um, there's something that drew you to this show. Uh, same with with any of the others, with with Sentai, Ultraman, whatever it is. Um, something pulls you into it, and. You don't want to be told that like that thing isn't good and this is better or whatever. You want to be told that hey, if you like this, maybe you'll like this too or try this or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, your point in that how people can get into the shows through means of like, oh, this actor slash actress is pretty. I did. It's just crazy that the times I've gone over to visit in Japan and go to, like, the stage shows or the live shows to see, like, hordes of women who clearly may have gotten into the shows because the actors are quite good-looking, but they really know all about every aspect of the show or know everything about the character that they really like and to me i know some people in the fandom would look down upon that but i see that as like oh yeah man you have some ultimate dedication like you are a like a top level fan to me if you love and appreciate it that much you know it's 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 just crazy to to see how people have evolved in their love of tokusatsu and of course going to those live shows i'm like oh my god i've never experienced this before so it's it's crazy to see the fandom in a different light like that that all would all be a matter of perspective because for some people that would seem maybe a little bit obsessive for other people you could see that much like yourself and be like no they're just really well-rounded they don't just look at them as a pretty face they know uh when they started acting what episode Mm -hmm. they showed up in this that and the other thing and then that gets really cool. And then kind of going back to the the thing we were just saying about, you know, perspective between older fan versus newer fan. I remember when Forze was coming out, I was really not into Forze because I was so in at the time I was uh, going into a lot of the Showa stuff 
and mm. seeing all the parallels of oh they've mixed up the names to make the new character names but they're not acting anything like the characters i don't like that it should be like this i was that guy yo i was too with forze it's crazy <laughs> The thing about it is, I it, it's only recently that I realized I was watching Forze from a place of privilege in that I get the whole thing of they needed a lighter season because of the earthquake and the tsunami, mm. and it wasn't for me. It was for the people who needed it at the time, those kids who needed something to look up to and needed something really light and yeah. positive. And so now it's like, you know what? Looking back on it, Gintaro's a great character. I just didn't give him enough credit at the time, you know? And yeah, then yeah. seeing now people going crazy about, you know, Promare, that, you know, that anime movie that just came out, you can point to that and be like, oh, well, if you liked that, the guy who wrote that with all this crazy boisterous <laughs> action, he yeah. wrote this show with this high school kid who just wants to make friends with everybody, and he's dressed up like a rocket. And you can get people <laughs> in on that. What a great description. Is that the same writer? I yeah, same writer. That. I forgot about that. Holy crap! Yeah, he wrote on, uh, he wrote on that Kill a Kill, Gurren Lagann, uh, all mm. those. Oh, right. Brody's not here to talk about Gurren Lagann with us, though. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, Even when he's Sorry, not Brody. Here. <laughs> <laughs> We're just picking on another podcast yeah. mate. Um, but yeah, you really do bring up a great point of. I think we all kind of had our biases, especially with like Forze or other kind of shows where we forget, like this is for kids. Like ultimately this is for kids and it reflects the the time period, especially during that. Mm. So it's like, wait a minute. All right, everybody. Like we, I think we all need to remember that and not, it's fine to critique a show, but yeah. I don't think it's a great idea to critique fans of a show saying that they're wrong for oh, liking yeah. something. And that right, always exactly. bothered me. Yeah, whenever I, like, even nowadays when I try to critique shows, I critique the show itself and how it's made, not people who, you know, enjoy it. Like when I, like during Geo, uh, <clears throat> I think I, I was trying to make comparisons to like how, you know, the shows that are coming back, how they did certain aspects of the show, like how they did a henshin, how they did a rider kick compared to Geo, where it's a lot of, you know, CG and a lot of, like, visual noise and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, I'm talking about just the show aesthetically, not necessarily people who like it or story beats, even though I complained about that too. <laughs> I, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still growing. You know, I, I get, I'll get time. <laughs> I'll get time. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, and also sometimes it's okay to just admit a show is not for you. Um, yeah. and you know, mm -hmm. even, even though it, it, it's hard sometimes I think, cause people, they come into, uh, you know, any, any franchise, common Rider or whatever, and they like the, you know, they like their first show, they like the next one. And then one comes along, it's like, oof, that's, you know, this is bad or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and you know, yeah, I mean, you might not enjoy it and, and you might have, you know, valid reasons why you don't enjoy it, but also you know, somebody else does enjoy it. I mean, that's that's the thing, uh, the, the point I kind of said earlier about, you know, I don't think any show is completely devoid of merit and every show I think is somebody's favorite. Uh, certainly with the, the big, the major franchises, like everybody, there's some writer show where that's that's their top one. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, it, and, and you just sometimes kind of just have to be mindful of that, uh, you know, when when critiquing a show that, you know, you, you obviously, you know, you have your, your views on it and you should be able to express those views. But also kind of understand that, like, you know, what they were doing here, it didn't speak to me, but maybe it did for somebody else. Um, mm, right, right. I always go to the um, – there's two episodes of Kuga uh, that – I'm not. They're not my favorite. It's the um, one with the owl grongi. I think people will remember uh, twenty five and twenty six. And there's this very long story about this kid who is kind of traveling in Tokyo, and and Godai's driving around trying to find him. And they have this like ten minute conversation at the end where they're talking about life, the universe, and everything. At the time, and and even now, I kind of thought, I don't know. This this isn't really like I like action and excitement and. And this is a little too slow for me. But I know somebody who was like, that's one of my favorite episodes. And actually, I think Japanese fans, they did a poll of all their favorite Heisei Rider episodes and they re-showed them uh, last year. And that was one of the winners, was episode 26. So, you know, oh, wow. that that story, uh, sp- it speaks to people on some level. Or they like the themes of it or or whatever the case. Um and you know i can i can go back and look at that one now and and say well you know it's not my favorite kuga story but it is mm-hmm. for somebody else and it's the same case for series in general you know kuga is some many people's favorite show um or maybe wizard is their favorite show uh right. maybe ghost you know ghost is one that tends to get uh kicked around a lot lately mm-hmm. i liked it myself um and i know people who are like i love that show you know i love takeru's story uh, the characters, the the designs, whatever, the music. Um, so it's it's always kind of tough to say, oh yeah, there's an objectively most hated show by the fan base or anything like that, because there really isn't. Um, there are yeah. you know shows go in and out of popularity, like you were saying earlier about how uh, you know a couple years ago people liked Magic Ranger and they didn't like Decker Ranger, and that's certainly not the case anymore. Um, and it's the same thing, uh, with, with any show. I think there was a period, you know, Kuga is, is really highly regarded now, but I do remember a period where people were like, yeah, Kuga was kind of, you know, the CGI wasn't great and it was a little slow and, um, you know, and some people might feel that now, uh, maybe not the majority of people, uh, and just, you know, apply that to any other show where at the time it was airing, I remember a lot of people didn't like Wizard. After it finished, uh, yeah. I noticed a lot more people saying, you know what, I actually did like Wizard. So I think if yeah. you are a fan of a show that, you know, you tend to feel everybody dumps on now, it's not going to be like that forever. And, you know, eventually the fans of that show will start kind of speaking up and saying, you know what, I, I really liked the show. And maybe a show that was popular kind of falls out of popularity, but it, it always comes back around. Um, cause that's just kind yeah. of the, the nature of, of the changing fan base. That's so true. And I feel like there can be a very fine line between people honestly critiquing the downsides of the show and just straight going to hating on yeah. it and h- telling people that they're wrong for liking it. I feel like that line becomes thinner and thinner and thinner 
because there's more people coming into this fandom and there's more people with stronger opinions. That just happens when a community grows. Um, I just find it fascinating to watch the ebb and flow because when I was getting into tokusatsu, of course, Gokaiger was like, everybody loves Gokaiger. And then afterwards it was like, eh, okay, Gokaiger really wasn't that great. And mm. then Gaim. Everybody loved Gaim when that was going out. And then, you know, a couple years later, we're like, you know, Gaim was okay, but it wasn't as good, you know. So it's it's crazy to see the changes. Yeah. Well, I, I remember a, a couple of episodes ago on the podcast, I forget who it was that brought it up, that it sometimes depends on how you watch the series. Like, whether you were watching sporadically, you were watching week by week, yeah. or if you're watching... Uh, much later and you're able to marathon the whole thing because it's already completed like yeah. the way you consume it can sometimes shape how you view a series oh yeah yeah absolutely how quickly you intake it yeah um i think like certainly there are some shows i mean i i do feel that every show can be a marathon if you really like it um if if it's your favorite show in the world you can watch it in one sitting if you want um, but when watching something for the first time, my feeling is that you, it's best to kind of watch it the way it was meant to be watched, which is weekly. Um, I know that's hard, uh, especially for an older show. You just want to, you want to get through it. But, um, you know, I, I feel at, at the very least, you know, do kind of understand going in that it was a weekly show. Um, and, and really, even even the early two thousands writers, even though they're and and Sentai and all that, even though they're made in this era of, of video, uh, home media and all that, they still go out weekly, and and that's the case with the shows now. I mean, if you watched, or if later on, if you watched the episode of Zero One that aired today, I think a lot of people's comment will be, well, gee, it's a lot like the episode that aired two weekends ago. Uh, you know, they're kind of because this is like the second stage of the battle between. Heat-in intelligence and Zaya, and and they're you know mm-hmm. testing out their new gear and all that. Um, but again, you know it's a, it's a weekly show, and so you know if you watched it two weeks ago, then you'll remember that. Uh, but they are doing something different this time, um, and so it's that's just how it is with all of them. I mean, the older series, they yeah, they can be very episodic um, because you watch week to week with no repeats. And nowadays, uh, you know, they do tend to make shows a little bit more serialized because they're kind of expecting that people will go back and watch it on the streaming websites or home video, whatever. Um, But it is still made to be, you know, this kind of just chunk of entertainment that you digest in in one half hour block a week. Um, So to me, that's the way it's, it's sort of intended to be seen. But like I said, you know, if you really enjoy something, then go ahead and marathon. You know, if you want to just just burn through the whole series in a couple of days, you know, go for it. You can you can watch it any way you want. Um, but I I do think certainly with some shows when people say, oh, it's you know just the same thing every week or the plot's not moving fast enough or whatever, um, just kind of remember that that is the way you know the way that it was aired. Um, or the way it was intended by the creator or whatever, it might not be the way that you're watching it. Um, mm-hmm. And That's you know, a really good point. Yeah. Always remember that. Keep it in the back of your mind, basically. 
All right, everybody, take that into account because it is a good point. It makes me think of like the the past few seasons of Sentai, where like Looper Ranger versus Pat Ranger, kind of in the fandom, has been regarded as like not the greatest because I think people did think it was too slow and didn't really have the payoffs we were all looking for. But to me, in my opinion, I had an enjoyable time watching it week to week because at least, yeah, maybe it didn't always pay off in the end. I did kind of like the anticipation between things and I find it very similar with You Soldier right now is where there are, I think it's a better experience week to week because there are some dramatic moments that happen and you wait a week and you're like, oh crap, like this is so exciting, like what's going to happen next? But it's... It's just crazy how the shows can be interpreted in so many ways by so many different people. See, that it depends on who you talk to and what they're interested in, because a lot of it, too, with the growth of fandom, you know, you get a lot of uh, people coming in from other fandoms, whether they're watching, I don't know, CW shows or they're watching anime and you bring them over here, whatever bias they had, they got them into the shows they were watching over there. They're bringing that over into watching Tokusatsu. So if they prefer a character to be really loud and boisterous and hot boiled, they're going to go for that character over here and they're going to, you know, promote their love for that character very hard. And for some other people, that's going to be really annoying and they just want to watch the episode. And it takes all different types getting into this. And I think it's harder because you know, it's easier with social media for everybody to put their hot take out of, oh my god, I can't stand this character, or have you seen the new scans? I can't stand this motif. I'm never going to watch this show. And it's <laughs> like, everybody's going to have their opinion. You don't need to let that affect how you're enjoying the show. Amen you know? yeah. to that. Yeah, I definitely. agree. Yeah, yeah. Because that could happen very easily. Like, we're all, whether we actively participate in social media or not, it affects us no matter what we do so seeing those opinions can affect the way you interpret the media and how you interpret shows or even it will create a bias for you you know I, i've seen that with people and it, you know to each their own i'm not criticizing them for that but i think it's it's a good lesson to know to just take everything in moderation and still feel like you have your own sense of agency in this community and in this fandom where you can have your opinions like there's nothing wrong with them even if somebody says there is there's nothing as long as you're not like being overly aggressive about it it's fine exactly. you know and yeah. the thing about it along with that is you need to be careful that when you're talking to people about it just because you have an opinion about it and maybe you're introducing people to it your opinion on a particular series is not the gospel truth you know yeah. they might not yeah. like double as much as you do they might not prefer uh ultraman orb the way you do you know it it, it takes all types i feel you. personally attacked because those I'll are my you. favorites <laughs> no, 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding it's like how how do you not like Build. Build was such an amazing story. And like <laughs> that would be the conversation I would have. I think for me, like nowhere do you see that more than with the um the Tyson movies, the superhero Tyson and Oh all yeah. That. Oh yeah. So Absolutely. like Ryder Tyson, the you know, the show versus Heisei one. I know, you know, some people hated that movie and still hate that movie. 
Um, or some people said, you know, oh, I like this movie, but it's really stupid or, or whatever. Uh, for me, like my, you know, that's that remains the Ryder movie that I've watched the most times in theaters. Like I, honest to God, paid money to see that movie seven times because I enjoyed <laughs> it so much. And coming out of that film every time, I'm like, I don't know how you can be a Kamen Rider fan and not enjoy it on some level. Like there's some, there's got to be something in there that you right, thought right. was, you know, like I like this or this was cool or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe what you go for in Kamen Rider, you come out of the movie and say that was not in the movie at all. I hated it. Maybe that's the case. But I I just feel that, yeah, kind of being aware of why people like things um, and and liking things that you don't like and all that. I mean, that, that is always very important when, um, you know, when talking with others and, and especially when sort of presenting yourself as any kind of, I don't want to say authority, but you, you know what I mean? And like as a, as a, an established older fan talking to new fans, I don't want to, you know, introduce people to Comrade and be like, watch this, don't watch this, don't watch this, watch this one. This one's the best. This one sucks. Right. You right. Know, I, I never want to be that guy. Um, yeah. So I always say, well, you know, I personally really like this show. This, these are my top three or whatever. Um, you might like this one. If you liked this show, you might like that show. Um, you just kind of have to be kind of aware of that. Uh, just of, of people are going to come into things for, you know, for different reasons. I mean, I, I think of how many, uh, various series, not, you know, even outside of Tokusatsu, that I've become interested in just because I like the way one character looked. You know, I thought, oh, that character oh, yeah. looks cool. I <laughs> want to see this show or something like that. Um, so you just, you never really know what's going to attract people to something um, and, and why why they like it. But it's always great to find out. I mean, I always love to hear from people, well, why is uh, Kabuto your favorite show or why is Double your favorite, you know? Um, because that's great. I mean, even even the ones that aren't my favorites, if they are for somebody else, and I like to know why they like them. And for me personally, that's always far more interesting than why somebody doesn't like something. Yeah. 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 I wish we could have more conversations like that. At least I don't get to see those conversations quite as often as the ones where people are talking about why they don't like something or just you know, the pure negativity that can come out. I do also enjoy those conversations. Anytime that I've met a Toku fan in person, those are usually the conversations we have, and it's so much more enjoyable. It's so fun. I feel like the in-person tokusatsu fandom community is very different than what happens online sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing of it, too, along with that is... A lot of people, when they start getting a little bit interested in it and are thinking about getting into tokusatsu, they'll normally ask, well, where should I start watching? And it used to be that I would say, okay, well, I'll just recommend what I watched. But now it's yeah. like, no, I have to be careful to ask, well, what are you already into? When uh, we'll base it around that. Do you already like horror stuff? Do you like stuff that's really technical? Do you like comedy? And then we'll kind of shape what we think maybe you might, have a preference towards like do you like watching you know that ghost hunter reality show go watch ghost that's kind of funny in a different way uh do you like <laughs> slapstick we'll go ahead and show you deno you know see if you like that and then so on and so forth yeah that's a great point 
I know somebody who they got into Colorado through Wizard just because they like shows about magic, oh. you know, and fantasy and all that. That's beautiful. See, like that, that to me is just so amazing to hear. Like I had, I knew somebody who was interested in watching Gaim because as I was describing it to somebody else and, you know, saying, yeah, and they're working over here and they're look, looking around Yggdrasil and they're like, oh, like, like in Norse mythology. I'm like, yeah, like that. And then when I started bringing up more terms, they were like, oh yeah, like this in mythology because they really liked mythology. And so that was what got them interested. Well, if you like mythology and fruits, that's a show for you. <laughs> I was just about to make the joke that I knew somebody <laughs> who likes guy because they are really into fruit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> See, you know, everybody has their tastes. Like, I gotta be honest, a lot of the times I would get into shows just with my girly instincts of like, oh, this character is really attractive. I, I usually never admit that outright, but it it Ooh, feels like it's so yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah. Like, right. all right, let's be real. Geki Ranger. When I first watched it, which is now my favorite Super Sentai show, Same. I was like, oh, Jan is shirtless in the first episode. This is a great way to get me started, you know. And I I already liked him from that shallow opinion, <laughs> but it made me want to watch the whole story and it made me want to go deep dive into all the characters so it was just it's it's just crazy the different ways that people get into tokusatsu and it's not yeah it always makes me upset to see when people put down others for the different ways yeah i i it's it's just something's gonna click with you like for me i literally got into common rider because of a gift that i saw Oh, yeah. Because it was it was it was a gif on a message board of uh, Garen transforming. I was like, "That's cool. What is that? I want to know what that is." And then that's how I got into Comrade. It's based off of what you think looks cool or sounds cool. Like nowadays, when I watch a show, it's based off of like I mean, not just the story, but it's, a lot of it is you know, how does the show look? What does the action mm-hmm. look like? Like, is it does it look like it's going to be ha- going to have interesting choreography? That's kind of one of the aspects of the show. Some people have it for a different reason. It could be suits alone. It could be actors that they know. It could be actors that look good to them. It could be whatever. Yeah, and I love that diversity. Part of going along with that, too, is kind of the way you pitch it and how people receive that. Like, I know some of us, myself included, with a series you're really, really passionate about, you kind of have a tendency to word vomit about how much you love the show (laughs) and that's sometimes a turn off to people and then some people see that and it's like wow you're really passionate about that i'll give that show a shot it depends on the person yeah yeah i mean sometimes it really can be overbearing as somebody who has been on the receiving end of that online and in person but I do appreciate at the end of the day, like, this person is really passionate about this, and if it's something I haven't checked out, I usually go to check it out, or at least see what it's about. So I really, our our fandom is full of people who are passionate in, like, ways that nobody can really comprehend sometimes, but I do appreciate this fandom as a whole. It has its things that really need to change and we've talked about that in other episodes of the podcast Mm -hmm. before but 
it's it's still an incredible community and i love seeing it evolve over time yeah um especially being in it for so long and also being around for this real uh at, at least for a common rider this return um after you know a couple of years of of not being on tv and then coming back and i mean it's so funny to me to think about how in maybe around the time of, of Blade and then maybe around the time of Deno and all that and thinking, all right, this is probably going to go for another like two years and then they're going to take a break again. Cause I was so used to that. I was, you know, I was just used really? to rider runs for a while and then, you know, something happens and they say, okay, we're going to put this one to rest and focus on this one. But um, the fact that it's just been running nonstop since 2000 uh, is is just really interesting. On, on the flip side, though, you do realize that part of the reason it's running nonstop is that they're only making Rider and Sentai uh, these days, at least for, for Toei Tokusatsu. They're not doing Metal Heroes or, you know, various mm-hmm. other kind of characters and all that. And, um, you know, there, there's there's good and bad aspects to that. I mean... I feel that Ryder kind of has taken in a lot from other shows. I mean, it, it basically took Metal Hero's time slot. Um, yeah. But it's also incorporated a lot of ideas and motifs from other Ishinomori characters over the years. And I really like that. But uh, for some people, you know, maybe they're like, oh, when is Metal Hero coming back for real? I mean, we have the Space Squad movies and all that, but I want the next, you know, TV series. Or I want to see oh, other companies yeah. making their own uh shows again because you look back and in the 70s it was like a free-for-all i mean shows would be airing at the same time and going head to head and competing and all that because anybody who wanted to make a tokusatsu pretty much was making one and um that's certainly not the case anymore and it really is just kind of down to the major franchises and occasionally something you know different and new comes up uh like I think it was last year. I, I might be mer- uh, remembering wrong, but there was a movie called uh, Brave Storm, which was kind of a, a, a re, right. not exactly a remake. Well, I guess a remake, revamp, revitalization I guess, of some old heroes. Yeah, reimagining. That's the word. Um, a reimagining of um, some old uh, Tokusatsu shows, Red Baron and Silver Mask, kind of combined. Oh. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It was, I think it was made through crowdfunding, actually. Uh, and it was just yeah. kind of a one-off, although they said, you know, if we can get the money for it, we'll do a sequel. Uh, and just having more stuff like that, it is really cool to see. Uh, and so I do hope we eventually reach a, a day when we will have more tokusatsu than what we have now, because, you know, you can never have enough yeah, right. I think that will come down to, you know, the community growing, the community asking for these things, whether it's the Japanese community or even overseas communities. I feel like our power is growing slowly, but still growing in the fact that they, some of the companies like Subaraya recognize that we really want Ultraman here. Like we really want legal means of getting Ultraman in the States and in the West in general. So I think that that's why the community is so important. And the way we talk to newer fans is really important. Just the way we think about the community growing as a whole. 
Like, I remember a couple of years ago, I was doing a uh, Tokusatsu 101 panel at a convention uh, with Kalen, and we only had about an hour, and we decided to narrow it down to just uh, three major franchises. We talked about Godzilla, we talked about Power Rangers slash Super Sentai, and Kamen Rider, and we mentioned at the top, at the time we were doing this, which was, I don't know, like eight years ago, something like that, you know, before we even got Ginga. It was like, okay, well, we want to talk about Ultraman, we'll mention him for a second, but there's really not anything that we can tell you guys about, because there's not much to look at, you know, they were going bankrupt at the time, and now, looking how all that's turned around, and now Ultraman is so widely available, like, I can go right now on Amazon, and for under 20 bucks, I can have all of Orb, and the movie, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, even just the recent DVD releases. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And that's because I think the community itself has shown interest, has told these companies, whether we're talking about it on social media or responding to, you know, whatever happens or creating sites or, you know, everything that has been done over the years. It's it's showing these companies that we really exist, you know, even though it's difficult. We exist, and we really want this content, you know? We have disposable income. Do you want it or not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, I I think the thing is, because this is a point that is brought up every time there's some new release or new announcement, um, is that right now, yeah, it is very North American-centric, uh, as far as mm-hmm. the the Blu-rays go, I think you can you can watch them if you live in the U.S. You can actually watch them if you live in Japan because we're in the same region code. Um, if you're a fan over in Europe uh, or Australia, um, I don't think you can watch them. And I understand sometimes it can be kind of frustrating when people talk about, yeah, we're getting Kamen Rider toys in the U.S. or we're getting Ultraman Blu-rays or whatever. And Again, it's in the U.S., you know, or it's in kind of a localized area. But, I mean, I think with everything, it's all about kind of just small steps, you know. You you eventually build up towards uh, a day when, yeah, Ultraman will not just be coming out on Blu-ray in the States. It'll be coming out everywhere. And no matter where you are, you can watch it or stream it or whatever. Um, So... I think when it comes to things like that, or I mean, I know some people recently were saying that, you know, oh, it's nice that Kamen Rider gets the toys coming out in the US, but where are the shows? You know, where's my DVD box or whatever? And yep. it's just, it, it's going to take time. You know, it's these things don't happen overnight. I mean, earlier in this very episode, I talked about how years ago they put out four episodes of Ultraman on a VHS tape and people went nuts. You know, they're like, this is this is the start. This is the revolution here. You know, like this is the amazing <laughs> thing. Um, and now looking back, it's well, it's pretty quaint, actually. But, um, you know, we've got the show on Blu-ray. Uh, we're getting more of them coming out, which is great. There was a while there where we uh, the Sentai were coming out on DVD yeah. in the U.S. Um, and now there's there's a lot of uh, hype, I guess, about they're bringing over rider belts and uh, possibly some of the other toys and all that. And yeah, it's not the shows. It's not the full, you know, package yet, but it's got to build towards that. Um, yeah. You know, it's got, cause Ultraman before they started doing the Blu-ray sets, it was uh streaming, wasn't it on, on Crunchyroll? Some of them. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and so I feel, I mean, I don't know if there's any connection, but at least I would guess that somebody saw the popularity of it there and were like, why don't we try releasing these on home video? And then people will, will pay a little bit more money for them. Um, you know, maybe that's how it worked. I don't know, but just, it started with something small and grew into what it is now and it keeps growing. And you know, the, yeah. I, I saw the thing about Marvel is going to do a, an Ultraman comic book, which, like, that mm-hmm. blows my mind. Because I remember the yeah, Ultraman right? Towards the Future comic, uh, but that was 30 years ago now, almost. So uh, it just, you know, it it starts small and it grows and sometimes it, it shrinks again and then explodes. It's, it's just an ever-changing, uh, I think you said, um, like, the ebb and flow of it that's really what it is. It's just, it, you know, it's like the tide coming in and out and changing all the time. It's just crazy to experience. And I, I really think in the last, particularly in the last, you know, five years or so, it's exploding. And I think we'll just get more and more, you know? I think we will have a slow period. and But at the same time, maybe I'm just optimistic that we're doing, I think, so much to get this over in the west i do hope other countries like european countries get better access as well we're very fortunate in the u.s as tokusatsu fans but i think i i could see things getting more globally i know it's all about contracts and legality and licensing and all that kind of stuff but i think the fandom is doing a great job in expressing what they want which is good we just you know we got to be a little patient at the same time Admittedly, we're probably closer now than we've ever been, and who knows? We'll probably be saying that again in like I don't know, say five years' time. Like we're we're not there yet, but we're getting closer every day. Right. Yeah, yeah. The the way we'd like the fandom to be acting, the way we'd like to be able to have access to the materials, to the merchandise, to the show itself, and then not be thought of as so niche. When all we're trying mm-hmm. to do, just like any other fan of anything, is just share the thing we like. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's what the goal is at the end, you know? Just to share what we like and talk with people and meet people and all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah, now I'm feeling sentimental. Because <laughs> I felt the same way in episode 50 of, uh, or last episode of the podcast, when we were talking about, like, the history of Tokunet and how they all met and all that. I was like, oh, those days not weren't that long ago, but they were far enough away. Well, I'd say we did a pretty good job talking about the community. How about you guys? Any last final thoughts? How long till we get Winspector on Blu-ray? more metal heroes i agree with that i I find it fascinating that just beyond is the one that got the blu-ray here (laughs) i love it but it's like it's so random yeah because i know just beyond was really popular in south america yeah i was like oh yeah but in like the u.s Hmm. did they get the blu-ray in south america i thought they did i want to say they did that would be a shame if they didn't because they love it over there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. More metal heroes. I can agree with that. Hopefully in the future it's more. Um, more uh, shows like we got message from space in the US, I believe. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. That was Shout Factory, yeah. I think, that put that one out. Shout out to Shout Factory for that one. Is that Shout Factory or Discotech? Oh, yeah. Discotech has done a lot recently, Wait, wait Discotech too. did Just did... Beyond, right? Yeah, it was with Just Beyond around the same time. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to get more tokusatsu outside of the main franchises, too. Like, it even surprises me that a lot of the Garo DVDs are subtitled and available in the U.S. and for mm. purchase on Amazon. Like, even that surprises me to this day. And Amamiya coming to Canada to go show a subtitled version of the new movie still blew my mind that he did that. But yeah, yeah I just that's love pretty that. Cool. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> they had they had a couple other people go to some convention too, didn't they? Um, I know Amamiya in particular has been to U.S. conventions. Like he's been to Monster Palooza before. Um, like him in particular, he I think he does encourage the West to enjoy his productions but it's still it's a tough thing it's still niche enough that i don't think they realize that the community here is so crazy obsessed with tokusatsu um i i thought that like i i saw something about like uh kenzaki's actor like kamar blade and oh, uh right. deca red yeah for japan world years okay that's the one yeah, yeah that and was also last year yep. yeah the artist for kamar spirits uh, Kenichi Mureda mm-hmm. was there because uh, I actually talked to him afterwards and he told me about going to the US so Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh but th- I mean that's cool though that you know now they're at the stage uh, of bringing over some of the actors to go to conventions and all that because uh, like I mentioned about G-Fest I-, I know they do that with people involved with the Godzilla films um, mm-hmm. and I think some Ultraman at times um have have come over to the cons and all that, but uh, you know, doing more of that with with other shows with Ryder and Sentai uh, is is really cool because it increases the awareness, I think, of the fact that there are fans overseas. Because sometimes uh, the actors and the and the staff here they're um, they're shocked that people outside of Japan know about Ryder and and Sentai and Ultraman and all that. Just it kind of blows their minds. I mean, it's it's crazy enough being in a show from 40, 50 years ago and having people remember it in your own country, but then outside right. Japan, you know, people that, you know, speaking a completely different language, but they remember you and they love the thing you were in. I mean, that's got to be just a, a mind-blowing experience, I would think. Yeah, having those conversations with some of the Japanese actors, they're always so shocked. And I'm like, you guys, like, there's a huge, like, pretty big community of people that would die to meet you or, like, die to know any of the, the actors. You know, it's crazy. So this community is really large in a way that it's still niche, but it's still, like, very, very out outspoken maybe i don't know what the right word is but we we do make ourselves heard and i think the more and more that the the actors and production companies hear us the more we'll get access to them hopefully yeah it's very it's vocal yeah we're very vocal that's a really good point very vocal which that's great you know as long as it doesn't go too wrong but it's good to be vocal 
because you remember back at uh that first Japan World Heroes, how you know it was kind of light traffic for most of that day on Saturday, but as soon as it got pretty close to Ren Kitayama's panel, that room reached capacity so fast, mm-hmm. and the line of people waiting outside just to see him, and then the look on his face when he realized, oh my god, all these people are here for me from a show I did, like, seven years ago. How is that even possible? Yeah, he was genuinely shocked. I remember when we were talking about it in our interview with him, he was very shocked. And that's, I feel like every Japanese actor I've ever talked to about how there is a big fandom in the West, they're always so surprised. And I'm like, yeah, you know, let Toei know, let Tsuburaya know, like, we're here, man, and we love it, and we will spend money. Like, yeah. we're we're ready to do that. You know, we all lined up for Ren at Japan World Heroes and threw all our money at him, or at least me, so. Any other final thoughts before we wrap it up? Um, It's nice now to see how with the advent of social media and all of the other things that have come with it, people coming in from different walks of life, different perspectives, uh, that we can all come together and agree that certain things are really uplifting in the series that we watch. Some things are just really cool to see that even in the series that we don't necessarily care for, there's some things across the board that people can be like, okay, that was a cool moment, or okay, that was a really good episode. The rest may not be to my taste, but that was, I got to give it up for that. If we can get more of that going on and just collectively, for lack of a better way of putting it, not be trash to each other, the more that we can improve on the community, the easier it can be for us to communicate with companies. Hey, this is this demographic of people who really want to support this item or this property or franchise. Do you want to go ahead and take a look over here and see if maybe you want to invest in that? It'll be a lot easier to do the more we're able to speak without having to resort immediately to the memes. Like we can still keep them and joke, but at the same time, just be civil and just really easy to understand that I think would be the best key to us growing as a community. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, you know, the fandom is going to continue to grow. I, I can't see it getting smaller anytime soon, unless like they just decide to cancel Sentai Rider and Ultraman and, and stop making any movies. And, you know, if it just dies overnight, Maybe it would start to contract a bit, but otherwise, I think it's only going to grow bigger. And um, yeah, as it does, it is kind of it's important to remember that as big as it gets, we are still kind of in this this strange little spot where the you know where, where fans of something that's made in another language, and that the companies making it, they are becoming more aware, but still not we're still not kind of the A group audience um i'm not mm-hmm. even sure if we're quite the b group you know because uh, i think to me yeah. number one uh, for most series would be you know kids then the adult fans in japan then maybe uh you know fans in other parts of asia like you know korea or uh wherever and um philippines. and then you kind of go to the rest of the world yeah philippines um and then you kind of go out to the rest of the world and all that but I think um, just kind of continuing to show that, yeah, we are passionate and we are interested and, and we'd like to support official releases and, and buy the merchandise and do that. 
and and um yeah just having kind of a sense of optimism about it because it's not going to happen overnight it's not going to change immediately and i know some might feel like well what's the point of buying a bunch of expensive rider belts if it's not going to get us the shows immediately you know and it might not um it it might never but it's always worth taking a chance on it because i don't yeah. think you know fandoms don't really thrive unless people are willing to just kind of take a chance on things sometimes and and say you know what this this might not amount to anything but i'm going to sit down and i'm going to write my thoughts on this episode of common rider which is how i started out basically um you know just just be willing to to try things and have some faith i guess <laughs> um that that it will whatever you know however you feel about the state of fandom now it's going to change inevitably and hopefully get better and you know be a part of it being better just by you know sharing sharing your love of of what you like or you know drawing or writing or podcasting anything you know i mean cuz it is uh, being a fan of something is is expressing your you know your love of it, and through however you want to do that. I love all these positive messages. Like this is this is like key advice for any fandom, but definitely our fandom. So I I really appreciate these last kind of thoughts from you guys. And Paul, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It really was a treat to have you on here, and we we definitely need you to come back soon. For Absolutely. Sure. So you just, I, we will hit you up for sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate you listening on the 51st episode of the Tokunet podcast. And keep on being awesome, Toku fandom. We'll be there and we hope uh, you guys will stick around too. All righty. Bye. 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 The Tokunet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official Tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet, where if you're at the writer tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Tokusatsu